Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Hey everyone, welcome to a new edition of the uh, Iowa Agronomy Update. Uh, kind of our second uh, edition or second episode here of our new uh, Harvest Podcast mini-series here. And uh, for the second edition, we've uh, transitioned into the uh, southwest uh, part of the state. That, that only means we've got uh, Super Kane and John Swalwell with us here today. Hey, good morning, you guys. How are you? Good morning. Fine, Brent. Thanks. Morning, Brent. Hey, so we, um, you guys are kind of got the uh, second in, in line here as far as our uh, mini series goes. And that, that means that you guys probably have a little bit more data uh, in the system. And we talked last week with George and Scott uh, and, and they were, they were in the heat of the battle. You know, they, they were bringing in a lot of data basically as we, as we, you know, really, as we were talking last week is really the heat of a lot of that plot data was coming in and, and really just trying to get in the system and, and really get your head wrapped around, you know, some of those trends and what that looks like. Uh, so you guys have had a little bit uh, extra week here and, and we've had kind of a bumpy, really a bumpy road throughout the year. But really, we, uh, I believe it was Scott last week that said we've kind of had harvest season and then we have had harvest season 2.0 and and now maybe a little bit of a lull here uh this weekend maybe get a little rain and, and get guys caught up on getting things greased up and looked at here this weekend but what um let's start with beans first what um kind of seems like we talked a lot about the uh a lot about some of the x9 class beans last week with with george and, and scott uh, which which there's a lot of those new new class numbers this year what um you know just right off top here what, what are you guys seeing out of that new class of beans uh in anything that's really uh shine through and coming to the top let's start with uh john let's go with you first so i pulled um just this morning kind of pulled what was in the system and you know to your comments on how much data we have in the system we are further along uh we're definitely not to the point where we'll make our final conclusions one thing we talked about is um you know bean data you got to look at a lot of comparisons before you draw your conclusions and and i think that is definitely the case this year we've got variability in plots uh when we look at our win ratios versus average advantages and consistency numbers um, you know, this picture may change a little bit by the time we get all the plots into the system to be queried. But like I just pulled our X9s versus every other release class in the Extend lineup for ASGRO. And there's actually 15 new products that were in tests in, in what I chose for the Southwest Iowa geography. So 15 new ASGRO products versus existing ASGRO lineup. They carry a 52% win ratio and an average yield advantage of a bushel, which, first of all, I think the, the scope of the release class is awesome. Uh, we got 15 new products to look at, and overall, they're performing well versus uh, our, our uh, existing lineup. So I thought that was kind of encouraging. 
I mean, we, uh, we're definitely seeing a few standouts and a few that, you know, are, are going to be used, but more in an introductory um, type fashion. But I think the 29 X nine is really maybe gone beyond um, what the breeder data said for what we're seeing now. And it definitely looks like a yield leader with good agronomics. <coughs> seeing some nice performance out of 24 X nines, which, um, is a nice surprise. We got a really steady product in 24 X sevens, but that might be something that can um, definitely enhance that with a little bit different look on plant type. So we've got some really good things to look at on the X nines. Good stuff there, John, on the new X nine class. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, what do you see in there on the X nine class there on the, you're further to the East a little bit in the Southwest quadrant. What, uh, what do you run into there? I am further to the east. So as we look at the beans, I'd have to echo John, though, for consistency on the X9 class. We brought out several beans, and do you, you have to see, do they trump the original bean we have in that pocket or that maturity base? Um, I'd agree with John. The 29 X9s have kind of been the shining star of consistency in a really inconsistent year. Um, they bring a lot of things to the table with the consistency across the acres from pockets um, with IDC and without, it's got a good SDS score. It sits at a four on our charts, which is a very strong bean there. Um, it fits the Des Moines lobe, which is a mass part of my market that adds a lot more agronomic needs to a bean acre that you're going to get placed. The other one that I would agree with the 24X9. So we've had 24X7s that have been very strong for us. It's a small kind of a shrubbier bean um, and it just different stance on that in the look and the field phenotypically but the 24X9s have done some places where they've outclassed it on yield. And I think we can move forward into that newer bean in some places and be very strong with it. Um, for the most part, we have a very mixed lineup, but the extended lineup overall is performing very well. Yeah. So back to, back to John's stat there a little bit. So 15, 15 X9 new varieties compared to the, you know, the rest of the Asgro lineup. And so basically what you're doing there is basically putting all your new releases against your, your products that have, you know, made it through years of testing and you're kind of putting it against the best of, you know, the older products. So with that being said, you got 15 new varieties to choose from that are showing a pretty stable, uh, you know, a wide range of disease characteristics. You talked about the Des Moines lobe, Sioux, uh, you know, you, you know, a lot of different characteristics there that come with this X9 class. So when you, when you talk stability like that with, with 15 new varieties, you know, you're not just talking two or three, you're talking 15. Uh, we've got a lot, a lot of decisions to kind of filter through here on, you know, what, what geography, you know, these are going to, going to play in, but you're, but from what I'm hearing is 29 X9 and 24 X9 are maybe going to be your, your bulk bin fillers. If I, if I'm hearing you right. Yes. That's where we probably look at. And the thing is we're going to have a mix because you have old steady eddies that are honestly in the, our lineup, the old steady eddies are two to two year old, maybe three year old beans, but they're known. We understand where to place them and beans have such a specific pocket fit, depending on the agronomic needs. If it's SDS issues in a market area, or if it's the IDC, is it drainage? Des Moines Lobe's famous for that. And some of the flatter base, um, that's just some of the things you get outside of that. You don't need the cyst. So what type of things do you need for that bean to go on the acre? And we have a huge selection of products to take a look at and place appropriately. I think we're still evolving too on the maturities that we're planting on beans. Um, you know, I got a text last night and um, 
it's person that farms just south of where I'm at, so kind of east and a little bit south of Council Bluffs. Um, combine in 36x6s uh, at 70-plus bushels for their running average. And his comment was, these are the best beans I've combined since the first day of combining, combining my 20x7s. So there's a guy that's planting two old beans to three six beans. And to have a lineup like we have uh, that as many choices across that gamut, it does allow us to kind of let people branch out. And I, we're, we're doing some studies this year uh, to try and figure out what that difference is, but those early beans are working. Um, and then when we get this harvest 2.0 and a big delay, the late beans are working also. So it's really kind of pushing me to challenge guys to stretch out that maturity that they are putting in their portfolio beyond what they used to have. I mean, we used to think that if you planted a, two seven to a three one you were kind of diversified on maturity and i'm just feeling like from what we're seeing a guy ought to stretch out those edges maybe further um so it's interesting it's going to be interesting to see how people's orders stack up with what we've seen this year um and also to get some of that uh data back from protocols of testing the earlier beans versus the normal maturity beans well you can you could certainly stretch out those maturities a lot easier when you got a product like 36X6. It's certainly going to be a, a, a real good full season product there for that southern half of Iowa. Yep. Versatile, been able to move it into a lot of markets that we didn't typically uh, plant that full of maturity. And I talked to some guys that are just really convinced and they're not wanting to keep the full side of their bean portfolio all that strong. They're wanting to move more shorter. And then I've talked to some guys over the last week that, um, you know, say south of Highway 34 that have really felt like full season beans had had more of a pop this year. And it wasn't their early stuff that really brought in the higher field averages. So um, we got to pay attention to what's driving that in our own management. Um, But I definitely see uh, a lot of um, a lot of momentum or interest in kind of spreading out that that maturity lineup. Yeah. So what, what about the other, what about the other end of that spectrum? You talked about 20 X sevens. I know we had a, a three, uh, three good X nine numbers uh, come in this year, 20 X nine, 21 X nine and 22 X nine. Are, are any of those three uh, looking like they're going to be the bean that's going to come further South to be that early bean or, or is 24 going to be that, that player for an early bean? <sighs> That's um, I got a guy asking for one sevens to take a look at. <laughs> okay, <laughs> dead serious. Yeah, and um, you know, one of the one of the difficult parts is like some of those early beans were a little bit limited on testing, and we had to test them in their normal footprint. Um, so we know twenty x seven can come down here very well, um, but we don't know yet about twenty x nine. We just got a couple bags of those beans to test, uh, and we couldn't drag them south. So. We're going to have to flesh that out a little bit more, and we're going to have to depend on the northern team's data to a certain extent for this year. So that's a challenge. I know I'm trying to talk to some guys about doing a dedicated early bean plot south here for next year so that we're not just tagging it on to a full spectrum set. We're going to take maybe from 1.8 to 2.6 or 2.5, throw a few sets in here down south and see what those beans do. Um, harvested at the time they need to be harvested. So we'll have to learn a little more about the brand new ones. Right now, 20X9, though, out of those early ones, has got the best performance record. Um, from what I pulled today, 
and from visiting with the agronomists further north. But I'm sure when you talk to those guys from the north, you'll get a little bit of picture of that um, next week or whenever you do that next podcast. Yeah. But definitely, I think 20X9 looks uh, to be the, the best of the early release class. And actually, 22X9 is performing above what I think we expected from breeder data um, only. So that's kind of what I know about it. But I, I know that the data that I pulled does not have as good a coverage on the early products as what you'll hear from the Northern agronomist later on. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree there. I, uh, 22 X nine shined here and in, in our plot and, and ran right with actually 20 X 29 X nine. So, uh, but certainly just, just one location of data here. Uh, let's, um, yeah, we'll talk about those earlier ones with, with the guys up, up North, probably, uh, late next week and, and get a better better feel for those and it sounds like john you, maybe you just need to talk nicer to your tdr down there to run an early bean plot maybe how's that sound well he was still fairly new but now it's start time to start to arm twisting you know and really okay. get down and dirty with him to get what we want okay yeah <laughs> arm sounds like an arm wrestling match to see who wins to me but we'll uh so it sounds like we got a lot to pick through here, a, lot, a little bit more data to come in on beans, but certainly we got a couple numbers that we're, we're excited about out of that new class and certainly a couple older products that are still shining through. Let's transition into corn. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of had our, our struggles with, with corn this year. Uh, we've battled uh, a, a lot of, you know, Sue, you battled a lot of, uh, June rain uh, up in you, your northeast part of your territory. Uh, you know, both of you have battled some some wind, uh, and then certainly everybody's battled the uh, the late season moisture and and intactness. You know, Sue, what what's your overall comments on on just this corn harvest? And I, I know corn plants are ready to be done. I know we kind of talked about earlier. You know what. You know what doesn't look rough now. You you know it just it, even the stuff that's had fungicide is probably even starting to look rough now. So, you know where where are you at in your head on some of these corn products, and where where you're at in your territory? So I guess the the name of the game this year is extremely variable. I don't think anybody could argue that even going ten miles east or west of where your location is. Um, we have as I get up in the northern counties, the Boone and Story County, we're pretty wet. Dallas County also pretty wet, pretty open, flatter ground, does not have as much drainage as heavier soil, which is a blessing in a dry year, but they had piles of water come across the majority of that market. Um, in that market area from an agronomic standpoint, we do have places where the crowns were tested and get into some crown rot that probably came in early season when we planted, and then we exhibit it with the crazy finish of a lot of piles of water throughout. Um, stocks were challenged, drought rain areas no matter what we just simply challenge the plants on almost every acre out here some places we lost some root systems and i say that across the industry i've been in several competitors in our own both and you hear that talking to people that it's not just us it's not just a particular product in places everything had some challenges and certainly at this point we've been getting several calls on locking fields or taking a look at things that are still in the field and quite honestly they're just flat out ugly i mean there's we're dry on most grain um, across the whole market, stock quality is poor at best, even with a fungicide in a lot of places. Um, I have a few fields that have stayed up with nice stocks, but may have had an issue in the base of the crown of the root system instead. So trade out one for the other. Overall, the fungicides did help the cleanliness, but also the disease shield products overall kept 
the uh, base of those plants cleaner and leaf material cleaner, which in turn led to some better sustainability in the product lineup. Um, I'd say the drought down south, though, as well, I guess the products that would have performed very well up in the in the rain fed belt and the over rain belt, uh, 6087, DeKalb 6087 and 88 have looked very strong up there. Very nice top end yield and consistent yield across um, DeKalb 6253-52 family has looked extremely well, um, very consistent and actually helps on some of those acres that might be a little more poor to high-end yield where it can be a more variable acre. I think you've really given some more top-end potential, but also kept mediated on the lower-end dropout. You just don't, didn't see that as much. So that's been a nice product to see shine out there. Where we had good drainage, the DeKalb 6220 performed very strong, and the same with 6321 uh, and DeKalb 6434 family. So we, we have several products across that 110-plus market from an earlier standpoint, we have some other products that have performed well. Um, the 55-53 for me has performed well in the moderate yield environments and higher, maybe not as much on the top, top end, but most of my comparisons go to a later maturity. So that's the very early extent of what we have in the, in the plots on the acre. Uh, so it's, it's kind of displaced a little bit, but it's been very consistent in the Northern Belt. You'll hear more on that in the future. Uh, but otherwise, we have some really nice steady eddy products that have turned out well this year. We know how to run them and know how to place them. John, what about you? <clears throat> a lot of the same stuff. Um, Sue gets exposed to a lot more of the poor drainage than I do on a lot of acres, but I definitely have some of the same stuff going on in the northeast part of my territory that was really impacted negatively uh, early in the season. Um, so I guess, you know, I don't have a lot of different product mix that are standing out. I got some people trying uh, a few different late season germplasms that are uh, looking pretty good and they're not going to be high volume products for us yet, but um, like 65, 95, 66, 75 were increasing in their use this year. And both of those uh, are performing well. And one other that I'd call out, even though that we had a little bit of a limited look at it, um, there's a new product of 5834 and 5835. And in that 108-day maturity, that thing looks like it's it's good on yield. Um, it may not have um, it may not have rocked the top end like some of the breeder data looked as we brought it in, but the root system, the plant health, the late season intactness, uh, really we're appreciating how that looks as plots are getting taken out this year. Um, I've had a lot of guys give me some great feedback on 5950 also. And that's a product that never really got to high volumes, um, but uh, with what this year threw at it, um, it seems to be responding pretty well. So um, I, I just feel like, you know, this year uh, having a lot of choices to choose from is going to help us because I think we've got to analyze the, this harvest on a field-to-field -field basis. Um, this year, I think one of the biggest factors in a grower's success was the water management in that field. Whether it's the fact that the field does or doesn't have some surface drainage because of slope, whether it's got compaction issues, those type of things probably trumped fertility in some cases. Uh, they influenced root development. They influenced the amount of time that that product was underwater. And um, we may be seeing some really high fertility farms that have some water management issues that are way off the pace compared to what they would normally be. Um, so this, this year is a little bit of a, of a different critter. And if you're an agronomist, <clears throat> you, 
you kind of keep your mouth shut when you're talking to people about performance because you may talk to somebody in one market where a product is just setting the world on fire and 40 miles away under a little bit different weather scenario, you bring that product up and they may have some negative things to say about it. So it, it's definitely been interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, both both of you guys mentioned the early onset moisture there in, in June. And, and if you think about last year, you know, we were – so stinking dry in in june and we had places that were curling up and and protecting itself and compared to this year you know looking back i'd much rather have that dry root system last year than this overly wet where you know you mentioned the the anthracnose and certain diseases set in early on that affects it and then you know we haven't even mentioned you know with all this moisture in june you know, where, where did that nitrogen go either? So certainly uh, a lot of things that came into play with that moisture in June. I think that nitrogen comments uh, a real good one too, because um, we, I, I think that definitely contributed a lot to some of the cannibalization that could have taken place um, in some of, some of these fields. Um, so it's been, it's been interesting to sort out the differences in field to field performance on the same product. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, just speaking for this, this part of the, the territory up here and, and uh, probably the Northeast part of Sioux's territory, we had, we had 17 inches of rain from, from May 28th to, to July 2nd and that it, it, you just, I, I, you just can't expect, your nitrogen to be where you need it to be with that kind of rain and or even keep up with even if you have a good nitrogen a split application planned you know how do you get in and get that second application in when it's constantly raining too so a lot of factors there with that that nitrogen piece so well even overall on the nutrient levels and fields we had several calls and i don't know how many pictures on on the text and otherwise we received you know that this is a nutrient issue it's either on beans or corn we've got yellow flash we have stock issues we've got striping on the leaves you name it we had tons of pictures between that june july time frame you think about it the highly saturated areas you can only take so much into those plants so if they're full of water and oversaturated they're not going to take up what even might be available anyway in a high concentration to utilize to grow that plant and the same with beans so you could watch hillsides and waterways as you come south when we were in the pockets that did still have the moisture and you get that yellow flash, it simply can't take up the products that need to make that nice green beam producing machine go as good as it can. Just the saturation levels or lack of, because in the dry areas, you really saw the flash in fields too. Just the heavier clays or tighter soils didn't release the nutrients to be exposed to that plant. Yeah, so we've heard, we've heard you guys mention a, a lot of, a lot of different products here. So 62, 6253, 6321, 6357, 5837, uh, you know, wide, uh, 6675 in, you know, up into some of those later season things, you know, what, you know, are there some, are there some older products that are still hanging on here that, that still give us, uh, some, you know, some added experience that we've had around for three, four years that we know how to, we, we, we know how to manage them. We know how to place them and, and they're still holding on as stable throughout the year. Any, any oldies, but goodies hanging in the closet yet or not? One, one of them that we didn't talk about earlier 
that as I'm looking through and, and getting some feedback on, um, in the areas where we had the real severe winds mid-season, um, and uh, some of those areas also had a period that wasn't overly saturated and were a little bit dry, but we're seeing a good performance out of 62-78 again. Um, that thing, as far as mid-season winds, it's a shorter plant with lower ear placement, and it's got a really good green snap rating. I've, I've seen that one do well for me in some pockets. Um, we didn't mention that one before. Um, Sue, Sue, what do you got left in the closet? I guess, depending on the market maturity, I mean, this gets me a little bit wider split on my maturity groups, but the 5440-38 family has had, like everybody else, had said some ups and downs, but it's been performing very consistently still for some of those market areas that have used it heavily across the acre in the early RMs. As I get into the 110s, the 6067, 69, it's had some Jekyll Hyde, but honestly, where they've had some management, I think it's still a nice fit for some of the acres. We're just going to be walking, like you say, cautious on seeing where we want to place it at and what the inoculum levels may be in the fields that we're going into. Um, 6155 has been nice for me in my South area. So we had the drought. It is a drought guard product. Um, that's really shown nicely in a lot of those fields and those acres. And then again, 6220, if I get into some well-drained soils, it's performed some sweet top and yields that I would take any day of the week this year. Um, and with John, that 6278 family has done well. And if I get out of some of the bands with the high winds and things, 6434 families looked really nice. So I, I think overall on any of the older products, I call them the stable oldie goodies. And if you look at them, we understand how to place them. We had an extreme environment. So your disease triangle was heavily laden with the inoculum loads and the stress of the acre. How do we place them and what do you need to do for management for them? Those are ones we understand enough to know how to put them on your acre and where you should put them at. Yeah, it, I mean, it's just kind of overwhelming here, you guys, on just, you know, how many products uh, we really have have to choose from. It really comes down to your management, your ground, you know, what, what kind of systems do you, you know, whether you're narrow rows or high population, low population, wide rows, do you put fungicide on, what your fertility levels look like, you know, you, you really brought up a ton of different scenarios you brought up you know three-fourths of a dozen in different products right i mean you guys mentioned probably eight to ten different leading products depending upon any one of those scenarios i mean really a guy just needs to sit down and, and start talking acre by acre here and really getting a plan laid out so well and one of the things that's been cool this year um in these situations where we have found really variable performance with one product, we've got more and more of our clientele uh, using the climate platform where we can actually go back and look at the in-season imagery, see where the field started to show some unevenness in its vigor, compare that with planting dates, GDUs, rainfall amounts, and it's helped us sort out some of that stuff. Um, so hopefully we're capitalizing on this information that we can uh, have at our fingertips and, and learn for ourselves. Cause I, you know, there's times I think as agronomists, we want to sort through all the data and we want to pick the one product that we can go to a lot, tons of different growers and just, you know, this is going to work for you in this environment, but occasionally there's something special um, different about that growers particular field or farming practices. And so 
with having this many options, if there's something that hasn't worked for a year, we can kick it out and we can put in a different kind of look of germplasm uh, that still keeps us in that high yield potential when we put it in the environment that it likes. So having the tools to sort out the hybrids with, with more people getting on climate and then having a portfolio that's broad with a lot of products to choose from, hopefully we can use those two advantages to help help guys gain consistency and their yield across their whole farm next year. Yeah. It, you know, it's really amazing what you guys do. I mean, being an agronomist is uh, kind of a, a, a tireless job. You guys get called to all the, you know, the, the issues places. Right. And, and you guys certainly had about every curveball you can think of this year thrown, thrown at you. So certainly, uh, appreciate everything that you guys do on sorting through all of this information and, and trying to remember all these different curveballs and scenarios and how each each of these products performs over the years and 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 different stability and and all this different things that you guys do so certainly certainly appreciate that and certainly you know going to be more data to come here on the corn side uh, certainly uh, you know are would you guys say what Two-thirds done on corn, half done, three-fourths. Where are you guys at on corn harvest? I'd say we're at least two-thirds done on my area. My northern part has several, ac- or several acres out. Um, a lot of guys are finishing that market, but as I go south, we're still crawling across the acres too. So just there's pieces, but a majority of the guys are, are done with some final wrap-up going on corn. Yeah, we're probably a skosh behind you, Sue, because you had some earlier harvest probably in the drought areas of stuff that was really dry. But I I would definitely guess um, 60% done on corn. A couple guys finished up beans over the last couple of days, but I really feel like most of the beans will be cut um, except for a few way outliers um, by the end of this week. There's a couple places, though, that the ground was wet enough along the Missouri River bottom that I heard from Jason that he's got some guys that they're concerned they're not going to be able to cut those beans till the ground freezes um, just because of soft soil conditions. So it's um, uh, we're progressing along quite quickly, but there's still going to be some outliers in some areas with uh, some later stuff to pick. Yeah, certainly. Certainly can't blame them uh, for for that with all this moisture that we've had, and especially with the Missouri River probably coming up and, and keeping those those river bottoms awful awful tacky. I'm sure. So yep, the uh, river level's been awful high, influencing what the field drainage does on all the ditches. It backs it up, and it, it causes problems a lot further from the river than you might anticipate unless you're familiar with the area. Yeah. Yeah, so so harvest lives on the, the the year that just won't won't end here for us, and certainly we'll we're going to transition probably up to northwest Iowa here in the next uh, next edition of the podcast, and that's where that's where we had a, a few planting delays and, and certainly some early planted to late planted stuff. So we'll get a get a good feel for what they're seeing across those differences and all the curveballs that they had with the early early onset rain up there but hey john sue thanks a lot for your time today and and we'll circle back around with you guys once we have our post-harvest messages done and and we'll see how they align here at the end of the year so thanks a lot guys thanks Thanks, you bet see you guys bye
Thanks a lot. We'll see you again on the next episode and we'll uh, certainly look forward to talking more products with you, but certainly move into that early, earlier maturity sets here as we move north. So thanks a lot. Hope to see you again. Thank you.